Hola, you are listening to Las Chicas del Crime, a podcast where tres amigas sit down and talk all true crime for Hispanic and American crimes. ¿Quién somos? I'm Osa. I'm Kat. And I'm Jen. Y, y somos Las Chicas del Crime. Woo! This episode of Las Chicas del Crime contains explicit content not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. All right. So, we bye. Como están? What it do? Boo. We are back <laughs> for the last. <laughs> Not you putting your moisturizer. Mr. May. I'm sorry, Oso. <laughs> I'm multitasking. We ain't recording yet. When we record, I'm gonna be doing this, but when we record visuals, I, I may still do the visuals because I don't give a fuck. Self care. <laughs> also, is trying to give us a proper introduction. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Go, go, all right go, so go, so go, 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 go. What, what, I'm doing? what am I doing? Hello. Good morning, Goose. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for part part three. Part 100. Yeah, you yeah. know what, though? No sh- no bullshit. First of all, I didn't get to talk last fucking um, episode, so yeah, I have Yeah, so let's talk your shit today. today. <laughs> and I am so glad somebody finally did, a, a, like, a, like, a several parter other than me, because it's always fucking me with the two, three fucking parter. <laughs> People probably like, damn, this bitch don't ever get tired. No, I don't get tired. This is, I <laughs> purposely thought of me having a, well, of us having a podcast so I could fucking talk. Oh, <laughs> I actually, that shit. I, I, we actually like, I actually cut my time, my, ow, oh, my talk time down for people to only have to like listen, listen to us for an hour, like, you know, half an hour to work, half an hour back from work. But I could talk for days. If you know, you know. Right. Okay. So, aquí estamos. We're doing part tres of the Menendez Brothers, and I am so super excited to get to it because one thing about it, and two things for sure, they got them brothers fucked up. Mm-hmm. Sure they did. Sure they oh, did. <clears throat> so, last I left off, I gave you guys more information on the actual abuse that was happening between the family and, um, you know, like what was going on between the brothers and the dad and all that stuff. So, here we are today, leading up to the most important part of this entire case, the ending. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Bueno pues, so we are August 13th, 1989. One second, wait. I know we're about to get into it, and I just realized I got my headphones on, and I don't want this to fuck up the sound. Oh, yes, please get your headphones on. It's okay, we'll we'll make some holding music while we wait. Yeah, let's... um... Oh, what's a good holding song? You uh, know what, though? Like, when they put you on hold, they should let you choose what kind of music you want to listen to. I don't want to listen to elevator music. 
Mm-hmm. I feel you. Put, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Put some. Put some like a torque too while I wait. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking some Braxton Mantra because everybody can enjoy uh, that. But <laughs> un perreo bien bueno is for me. <laughs> Okay, I mean, Frank Sinatra también. Strangers in the night. Yeah, that works. It works. I'd, I'd be di- dancing a whole balada in my floor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, buen Luis Miguel. Por debajo de la mesa. Kat's going to come back and be like, what the fuck did I leave? I okay first. What the fuck am I walking back into? Zero shit. <laughs> the type of waiting music we want when we have to be. I don't understand how I sat in the lobby waiting, quote unquote, in the lobby for forever long to realize I ain't got my headphones when we fucking start. I know Cat was here from the get. Cat was here at eight o'clock. You feel me? I was in the room waiting, and then I guess because I was doing so damn much, I was like, "Oh, I hear them. We good." Yeah, my we ears work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, okay. <clears throat> all right, all right. So rewind it a little bit. Let's rewind. So August thirteenth, nineteen eighty nine, where none of us were born yet. Skirt. Um. Right? Yeah, none of us were born yet. Uh, so this was seven. <laughs> Technically, let me not say that. Okay, so August 13th. Eric was in the den with Jose. Jose is the dad, let's remember. Um, talking about his college plans to head to UCLA, which is where he was accepted to college. And his plans were to live in a dorm and get the fuck out of his parents' house. You know what I'm saying? It's a two-piece out of here. Bye. Pitbull, like unfortunately. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Jose had other plans because, of course, he did. Of course, he fucking did. And he was in the den talking to Eric about these official plans right before the semester started. And he was telling Eric on how, supposedly, Eric was actually going to be living at home majority of the week instead of on it at his dorm. Which Eric was like, so then what the hell is the point of me having a dorm room if I'm going to be pretty much still living here? And obviously he was pissed off because, you know, him going off to college, like Lyle, who, by the way, at this point was at Princeton, um, which if we need to have a geography session real quick, UCLA is in California (laughs) and Princeton is in New Jersey. Um, So. UCLA. My cousin went to UCLA. I got some UCLA socks. I should wear them today. <laughs> bet, bet. So, um, where was I? Oh yeah. So he, you know, Eric was pissed at this point because he was like, "Yo, my brother's across the East Coast at school, and I'm." all the way over here and I still have to live at home like this ain't right I should be living at dorm at the dorm so I can get away from this but no obviously not so he gets pissed off and he goes to his room and he starts packing up his shit and his mom comes into the house and she, or comes into the room and he, she was like where are you going and he was like I'm going to a friend's house and she was like no you're not they started arguing she starts unpacking his oh bag God. she starts throwing right his now. shit huh how old is he right now He's in 18. Yeah, okay. yeah, he's about to okay. be a freshman in college. So, oh yeah, so to refresh, at this point, Eric is 18 and Lyle is about 21. 
Um, so yeah, so she's like unpacking his shit, like literally in his face, unpacking it, saying he's not going anywhere and all this stuff. And then Jose comes and grabs Eric by the neck and literally like puts him against the wall. And he was like, do we have a problem? And at this point, Eric kind of knew that he really had no say in what was about to happen, like, you know, with school or just in general. At this point, he was stuck. He literally was stuck. He said that he felt defeated. He had nothing, no fight left. He felt completely dead inside, emotionally crumbling. And at this point, he started to heavily consider suicide. Oh, oh no. I know. Heavy, heavy, heavy. Um. So... Tuesday comes around August 15th. This is uh, two days later. And um, oh, Eric's coming back into the house from being out and he comes into a fight that's going on between Kitty, the mom and Lyle and Lyle's like screaming at her, telling her that she that he needs something, that something is important. Whatever he's looking for, he needs it. It's important. And she's telling him, no, you don't need it. You don't need it. I, um, you don't fucking need it. Like, just yelling at him incessantly that he didn't need it and cursing at him. And then, all of a sudden, Eric recalls that Kitty literally reaches over to Lyle and pulls off his toupee. Yes, that is right. Aww. The 21-year-old with the headpiece. Yeah. Not a toupee. It's, yeah, a toupee. A toupee. And at that point, Eric goes, I didn't even know what to think. He goes, I had no idea my brother had a hairpiece. Oh, and my God. I'm walking. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Not a like, hairpiece. to us, obviously, because we did not know Lyle. But, like, the fact that his own brother didn't know he had a hairpiece. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? You know, to Lyle's defense, in pictures, this shit looks pretty natural. You can't really yeah, tell he has I a hairpiece. Okay, but that's that. his brother that he lives with. I No, I know. But, you know, obviously in this family, they got secrets. Remember, he's all, all the way at college, too. So he doesn't see him often. So it's I easy to get know. away with I it. You, you should know if your brother has a toupee. I think so, too. I definitely agree. You should know if your brother has a hairpiece or not. But I'm saying, you know, there's ways you could pull I, it off, you know? Yeah, you benefit of the doubt i get it i get it. I, that was just like <laughs> no, i first yeah, was like I okay he had a hairpiece no problem you know it for whatever reason he had it but then when you say his brother they ain't all like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um yeah so eric had no idea and he was at this point pretty much you can imagine he's befuddled but not only is he befuddled because his brother has a hairpiece but his mom, he's watching his mom snatch it the fuck off. So it's like, holy shit. <laughs> no, I, can, I can visually see that happening. Just fucking kitty. Okay, just snatch it. I'm not trying to be out here making fun of you or nothing, but you know, um, no, more no, of a no, no. That's why we're all here. Um, so at this point, exactly. You can imagine That's, Lyle was super funny. embarrassed because, again, like I mentioned, Eric had no idea. Lyle had never told him anything. And at that moment, um, Lyle, like, st uh, storms outside, Eric follows, and they start to, you know, obviously discuss what's going on and why Lyle never told him. And um, there was never, like, Lyle didn't give a reason other than the fact that he was just embarrassed and didn't want anybody to know um, that he was balding at a very early age. So 
Eric reassures him, you know, he's not judging him, that he's his brother, that he loves him no matter what, and that he couldn't even tell. And, you know, all these positive things you could possibly tell your sibling in this situation. So, at this point in time, um, this is where Eric and Lyle start to have, you know, a deeper conversation. And Eric starts to ask Lyle if he remembers back when Lyle had asked him if there was anything happening between the dad and Eric. And Lyle goes, yeah, what, what about that conversation? And Eric goes, well, it's still happening. He said, oh. Eric said that at that moment, he admitted to his brother that the sexual things between him and his father were still taking place. Um, in that moment, Lyle, like, panicked. Eric said that he flipped out. He flipped out on Eric and just kind of, you know, like, all of that anger just projected incorrectly onto Eric. Eric said that he started crying at that point, but eventually when Lyle saw Eric breaking down and seeing what was going on, he calmed down and realized he was rea like reacting incorrectly. Um, then Lyle goes, Do you, does mom know? And Eric goes, I haven't told her anything. I don't think she knows. And Lyle goes, no, I think she knows what's happening. I think she's been known. Oh, no. They're like, no obviously that your mom knows that this is happening and she's already like verbally abusing them or whatever and then she's allowing the physical abuse to happen like that's crushing mm -hmm. remind you she was also a part of the physical and nasty right. abuse you're right 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 it all just came back I know I didn't want to have to recap that, but I'm like, let's just remind us how, how horrible she is, too. Um, she don't get a pass in this at all. Hell no. Um, You're right. <laughs> so, so then moving on later into the week, Thursday, August 17th comes along, and Lyle confronts Jose about the molestation. And Jose is just sitting there, like, talking down to Lyle, saying that, uh, you know, that sometimes things just happen the way they are and things are the way they are, excuse me. And Lyle was like, fuck that. Like, you need to keep your hands off my brother. Like, you, you're going to stop doing this and all this stuff. And Jose says, um, sorry, Jose tells Lyle that he needs to back off and get away from the situation so that he doesn't throw his whole life away. And that Eric was going to go to UCLA and Lyle's going to go back to Princeton as planned and everything was just going to go as the way it needed to be because um, Eric was Jose's son and Jose had every right to do whatever he wanted with his family and his son. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Eric walks away, as you can imagine. And at this point, Jose basically like follows him and starts pounding on his door and starts yelling at Eric for telling Lyle what happened and saying, I told you not to tell anyone. How could you fucking tell Lyle? He's going to tell everyone what's happening. All this situation. Um, and so Jose pushes Eric and tells him to shut up and like shoves him into a wall. And he storms out of the room after that. And Kitty comes in. And Kitty's like trying to question Eric and ask like what's going on, you know, this, that, the third, as if she was just not present in the beginning of the situation. Porque es que Bet you know what the fuck pendeja. is going on. Okay, Seriously. But anywho, 
So, um, knock her outside her head. So she's questioning Eric about all the situation, whatever, what have you. And Eric goes, it's nothing. You wouldn't understand. And she goes, preparense, prepare yourselves. Yes, I would. I've known. I've always known. Oh, my God. To her son's face. Chicas, to her son's face. Que te digo, la cabrona es cabrona. Mm. Oof. So she said, let me get this salt and let me sprinkle it right on top of this wound real quick. While she's ripping the wound open even more. That little bitch. So at this point, Eric is like, what the fuck are you talking about? What do you mean you've known? Like, how are you going to sit there and admit to me you've just known? Like, oh, so calm, cool, and collected. And her response goes, or her response is, what do you think? I'm stupid? Um, <laughs> okay. Like, bitch, okay. what? Okay. Get, 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 to, get to dices. What do you mean? What do you think? I'm stupid. So Eric at this point obviously responds and starts saying, I hate you. I hate you. And like, that's basically what he, you know, explains that he um, remembers saying. And... At that moment, he also recalls, he was like, you know, there was something about that confession that she made that he knew that his parents were never going to let him go. Damn. And he was like, at some point, either they're just not going to let me go or they're going to end up killing me. Like he, wow. he said, like, for something some, about that, like, whole situation about the fact that Jose's mad now that Lyle knows she's confessing that she knew the whole time. You know, like, it's just, he's like, th- the way things just blew up, he's like, I had a feeling that my, our parents were just going to kill us to get rid of everything because they didn't want anybody to know that it had gotten to this point. So, and Eric says, you know, a lot of people had asked him that, like, oh, why he never ran away at this point. And he was like, he, you know, his dad was who his dad was in California, had loads of money and could find him easily. He's like, what the hell's the point of running away when my dad was going to find me and kill me at that point? He's like, I was better off enduring the abuse and staying alive that way because running away, he was definitely going to kill me. I was like, imagine at 18 years old having to process that. Yeah. And not only that, like, like Stockholm syndrome is very real. At the end of the day, that was his father and there's not much to say that he knew that there was a better relationship for him to have with a father figure. Correct. Therefore, yeah, he probably thought of running away, but when he thought like, you know, like I can't get away, then he thought, well, eventually I'll probably get, you know, better, which obviously it doesn't. He, you know, so people being like, oh, why don't you just run away? Like, it's not that easy. as easy as that make it to seem that somebody <laughs> with a lot of power. It ain't your crackhead dad who don't give a fuck about you. And you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's not what people make a scene. Right. And absolutely. I definitely agree with you. And. The fact that you bring up Stockholm Syndrome is actually something I was going to talk about later in the episode. So, yes, good connection there. 
because it's definitely something a lot of people seem to forget when it comes to abusive relationships of any kind, whether it be, you know, romantic, domestic, whatever the type of um, relationship you have and there's abuse involved, you know, that type of a need to defend your abuser especially if it is one of your parents because of that like mm -hmm. um uh, what is this i'm thinking i can't think of it cognitive dissonance you know between the fact that you know they're your parents you're supposed to love them you, they love you type of thing but then they're also your abuser and it's kind of like you don't know which you need you, sh you know you should hate them but you can't type of thing um um, and a lot of people don't really take that into account. So yeah, for sure. Good, and good they should. And they definitely should because like, let's remember victims are victims. Like they're literally fucking victims. You know, we can't sit yeah. there and, and victimize them for being the victim when they're like, how can we, you know what I'm saying? Like we can't right. not victim. Absolutely. Blame. Victim blame. That's what I meant. Not victimized, but yeah. Um, well, I guess I can say the same thing, right? That still works. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. We can't we can't sit there and and always blame the one who's receiving it because that, that just is fucked up. I really don't understand how people could seriously sit there and and make logic like that. Like, oh well, she she dressed like this or he did this. Like, that don't mean shit. <laughs> that don't mean not shit. at all. But um. If you out here victim blaming, please uh, put your finger in a no, socket. I'm shit. kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Just joking. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But come on, do better. Do better. Um. So yeah. So Eric basically again was just saying running away is not. It's not the not the it's not the the option. Why can't I not talk? Damn. So Friday, August 18th comes around. And at this point, you know, their brothers wake up and they just feel the tension in the house is really thick and they just feel super uncomfortable. And again, remind you, they're both thinking that these parents are going to kill them soon. So they're very yeah. on high alert at this point. And so they scurry on out of the house and they end up going to San Diego to a big five sporting good. Never even heard of that chain of stores, so obviously goes to show you the times. Um, and so they went to San Diego, and they went to Big Five, where they had um, a section of guns you could buy in store. And essentially, Eric recalls that he went up to the sales associate. No, the sales associate went up to them and was asking them, what type of ammu uh, ammunition are you looking for, type of thing, whatever. And the guy goes, uh, Eric goes, um, self-defense, anything that's you know worthy of self-defense. And he says that the sales rep literally walked him up to two shotguns, and they bought him right then and there. Oh, wow. And, and they, they had the shotguns ready just in case anything happened. Okay. Um, Saturday, August 19th comes around. Jose had a deal go through for work, and it was a big hurrah. So he wanted to go out and celebrate. So he booked shark fishing boating lessons. And they went out to the marina. And Eric recalls it on the car ride to the marina. Like, it was just awkward. He said it was quiet, and... 
uncomfortable and that he just, you know, really felt like something was just really off about this trip. And he said, you know, like the entire time I'm in the car and I just like my entire life was flashing before me. And he just kept thinking about all of these things that his parents said to him that at some point ended up coming true. Like, you know, if he told somebody something or if he did this, they would he would get punished this way. And so, you know, he was like, oh, my God, like, this is it. This is this is where they're going to kill us. This is what's happening today. This is why they booked the trip. And he remembers that he kind of gave Lyle like a, a, you know, I guess like a signal on it or whatever. So they both were on pretty much high alert. Um, so they get on the boat and the boat obviously comes with the crew. And it was Bob Anderson, which is the captain, and his assistant, which no name, but Bob Anderson is the captain. And Bob actually said that he recalls the trip to be very awkward. He said that the boys sat at the very front of the boat. And I don't know if you guys ever sat on a charter boat, but they're really not that big to begin with. So, and, and to be a family of four for, you know, oh, let me finish. They, so the boys sat in the front and the parents were sitting in the lower deck because it was one of those charter boats that had like a, a the the inside so it was like a bigger one but not that big and mm-hmm. so he um so the parents were sitting down there and the boys were at the top towards the front and so bob was like you know it's just really weird that you're booking a family sh- fishing trip and a no one's fishing and b they ain't acting like a family so he was like what is going on so he recalls the whole the whole vibe was just off and Eric also made a comment that he says that Kitty had um, made some some statements that she was pissed because there happened to be other people aboard as well. Uh, you know what? <laughs> was- and I was going to say that when you said that they pulled up and the boat had a crew, I was literally, I was, I'm hell yeah, I'm glad because they got a crew. They can't kill these boys. I'm just so glad. Okay. But now exactly. that you said she was pissed, there was people on there. Boom. It ruined their plan. <laughs> Cat, I just opened the, the notification of the story you posted. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be multitasking. But yes, you're absolutely right. They couldn't do anything if more people were in attendance. So mm-hmm. holla back to the extra crew. So, um... So, yeah, so, you know, Eric was, like, obviously scared, and he recalls that she was making these comments about the fact that there were additional people on the boat, and he was like, why would it bother her if there was additional people on a boat when we rented the boat that comes with the crew? She was, he was, he just, like, it didn't make sense why she was so upset, and... He said nothing about the trip really made sense. He points out that they were just, um, you know, considering everything that had happened between them this week and all that stuff, Eric was like, why the fuck are we even on a fishing trip? Like, we have real problems to be worrying about. So he was like, it just felt odd. And then um, at this point, Bob also made another statement that he recalled it to be awkward because at one point... They went over um, like a wave or whatnot, and the splash was just really was really large, and it completely soaked the boys. And they just sat there in just their soaked clothes. They didn't even grab a towel, nothing. They just sat there, just wet and sad. 
And yeah. he was like, most people would probably get uh, get a towel seeing as how it was cold, you know, with the wind and they're wet and all that stuff. And he was like, it was just odd to me. Like, they just had, like, almost no emotion, he said. And um, not to mention that they never ended up actually fishing, like, period, at all. They never actually concluded the lessons. They never did anything. They just completely were divisive on the boat, which... I agree with Eric makes no fucking sense as to what, why they even went on the boat because the mission was not accomplished. Well, so we think which mission it is, you know what I mean? Like we don't know which mission was not accomplished. Was it the fishing that wasn't accomplished or was it their low key murder plan that couldn't be accomplished? You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So, uh, where was I? Oh, Bob. so so afterwards, Eric was just kind of pissed, or not Eric, Jose was just kind of upset, I guess. Like, when they got back home, Eric recalls that they were just, his dad was just in an ugh mood. And eventually, Eric goes to bed, and in the middle of the night, I guess he locked the door, in the middle of the night, he starts to hear his door rattling, and, like, somebody was trying to open it. And so he oh sits up. Yeah, he sits up. And he has um, the the shotgun in his hand because he was sleeping with it underneath his pillow or whatever. And so he says that he was literally just standing there at the, the edge of his bed, just sitting there with the gun pointed at his door, sitting up because he was like, not tonight. He's like, after everything, he goes, I know he was trying to kill me today on that boat. He's like, and it didn't go through. And he's trying to sneak into my room to do it now. So he was like, not today. So he sat up. And he just aimed. And he said that he just waited there and waited there. And eventually, Jose walked away. He didn't even come in the room. So he went to sleep. The next day rolled around. And we are now at Sunday, August 20th. So. Oh, my gosh. That day just passed, too. Like, it's August 23rd right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wow. Look at that. It was Friday. Our odd connections always, yeah. Seriously, that is crazy. That's actually kind of eerie. Um, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, where was I? Okay. So Sunday, August twentieth. Yeah, <laughs> August twentieth, and just like the other morning, how Eric was recalling it to be a tense morning and things were just odd. Well, he said this one was just about the same, but actually he, not the same. He's actually said it was worse. He actually recalled it to being probably one of the worst mornings of his life. He said that he had never felt the energy in that house like that before. And he really just, you know, he was just afraid at this point. He really didn't know what to do. He left thinking that the best thing to do was have Lyle talk to his his parents and, you know, just have Lyle calm things down and he was going to go and, and go somewhere for the day. So he ends up going to Santa Monica for uh, a little afternoon. And at Santa Monica or in Santa Monica, there's a church he used to go to, which is like where he recalls going when he needs, you know, peace and some Jesus. Um Right, right, right. Some prayers, you know, some bendiciones. And he sat there. He said that he was just overlooking the water and he felt complete despair that he just felt so hopeless for himself. And he really just didn't want to, you know, continue living like that. Um, but 
Eventually, he left Santa Monica and makes his way back home. And when he got back, Lyle was pissed that he was taking too long. And Lyle wanted to leave immediately, but it was a bit too late at that point. Jose was pissed off. He didn't want the, the boys to go out anymore. This, that, the third. Da, 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 da. Another argument about them wanting to leave the house. And 10 o'clock that evening comes around. And Lyle's coming out of the den. He's coming towards the door. And he, no, excuse me, Jose is coming out of the, uh, out of the room, out of the den, uh, towards Lyle. And he's screaming at him saying that he's not going to go out. That, you know, he just, there's, there's no reason for him to go out. And Kitty, he was like, but why? I don't get it. And Kitty jumps in and she's like, because I said so. And <coughs> Jose comes very, back into the very room. educational parents. Right. Jose comes back into the room and tells Kitty to shut up. And at that point, tells reiterates to Lyle that he's not going anywhere and shouts to Eric to go to his room. So Lyle followed by putting his hands on Jose and insisted he wasn't going to continue to touch Eric anymore. And Jose attacked back and told Lyle that he could do whatever he wanted with his family. And at this point, Kitty was yelling at Lyle that they had ruined everything and, you know, that he, he they had ruined her life and ruined the family and blah, blah, blah. And Jose comes into the room and, again, pulls her, or, you know, comes back and pulls her by the arm. And he closed the door. And in that moment, he says that he felt like his parents went in there to, like, conspire. And uh-huh. that Lyle and Eric just sat in like the foyer and you know the hallway right before right in front of the doors, and they could see like their shadows or whatever through the glass. And you know, at some point, Lyle and Eric just looked at each other and they were like, "This is it. That they're this is their final moments before they come and, and kill us." So, um, yeah. So they head up to the room and grab their shotguns to be strapped. And Lyle goes, this is it. This this is where they're going to kill us. We have to be prepared. We have to be ready. So Eric follows suits. The brothers run into the den. And at this point, Eric remembers. He was like, we have to get to this door before they get to us. So they run to the door. And Lyle just remembers that he just shot the first shot. He, she just starts to fire. And all of a sudden, Eric is behind him, and he just starts to freak out. And the he says that the sound of the fire, the sh- the shots started to scare him. So he started to react and started to shoot. And that they were both shooting. They didn't even know at what point, like who was shooting what, where. Things were flying everywhere. Glass was breaking. Booms and you know bombs and all that sounds were going off. And um, the boys remember, like, the ringing in their ears and stuff. And at, the, at that point, Eric goes, all I remember is after a while, I just fell to the ground and broke down. Wow. And wow. during that time that Eric is on the ground breaking down, having a realization of what just happened, he hears one more gunshot go off. And at that moment, that is where Lyle goes around the corner and... That's the last shot that he gives to his mom. Oh, my gosh. Shot her. Shot okay. her right in the chest. Um, 
Lyle was sitting there holding him, telling him things, uh, you know, telling him that everything was going to be okay and, um, you know, all that stuff. And Eric recalls there being like a just a really deep silence in the house and that all he could hear was just, you know, his ears ringing. But outside of that, it was just like a deafening silence. And he says that like minutes went by and they're just sitting there on the floor and, you know, he's like, it just felt like it was a never ending evening. And he was like, we were expecting the cops to show up and the cops never showed up. He's like, minutes went by and he's like, at that point, an hour went by and no one showed up. And so at that point they stand up and they're like, well, what the fuck, you know, did we just like, wow, are we going to get away with this? Like what, what's going on? You know, all that stuff. (laughs) and um at this point uh what you call it he um damn i lost my place in the notes oh so yeah the cops didn't come i know right and so the cops didn't come um eventually at that right away at least and they were picking up the gunshots the shells and they were starting to think of a plan for an alibi because they're like, well, we may have time to figure that clean this up a little bit. So as that happens, they're thinking of an alibi. They leave the house. They try to, you know, find something to do where they'd be seen or have, you know, some type of timestamp of something. So they end up going to the movie t- theater to get a ticket. But the theater ticket was showing a time of 1030. So, obviously, they wouldn't be able to get that because this happened at 10 o'clock. So, right. You know, it's been an hour since it happened. Exactly. So, um, they got back in the car. They're like, fuck it. This isn't going to work. They got back in the car and they got rid of the guns. Um, they jumped over the side of the road and they didn't have anything to dig the guns with. So, they left the guns under the bush, under like bushes and threw dirt over them. Um, they scurried on back to the house and they realized that none of the neighbors had called the police yet. There was nobody there. The crime scene was just as how they left it. Oh and I, I'm like, you know, this must be a good ass neighborhood back in the 89s because if they, fire again, they lived in Beverly Hills. Whole, okay. They fire off the whole play. Of, well, I don't know if it's called a play on a shotgun, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't, yeah. and no one like, I don't know. I don't want to say no one heard it because maybe someone heard it, but no one really did call the cops. And it's just like, okay, that was normal. All the fucking fire uh, shots was normal. Right. So I'm like, it was a little, little odd there that, uh, you know, no one called the, no no one called the police because it's just not a normal neighborhood. Especially in such a nice neighborhood that they're supposed to live in. We can't really hear you. Especially in a nice neighborhood that they're supposed to live in. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, sorry. I'm trying to find the rest of my notes. I don't know what the fuck just happened to them. I have some here, but, like, I need my, the rest of my notes. We'll, t- we'll get there. Uh, anyways, so, uh, eventually, because of this, they're like, well, fuck, what are we going to do now? You know, um, because it would have made sense if somebody had to call the police and they weren't there, they would have been like, well, we weren't here. You know, that alone could have been right, an additional alibi. But at that time, yes, they hold the because they already had gone back. So 
Yeah. They, they didn't know what the fuck to do. At this point, though, poor Eric, he was like, you know, I walked back in the house and he's like, I just, I, I didn't hear a thing. Everything was just so quiet and it was just such a deafening silence that he was like, I had this weird, ur- weird urge to go back into the room. Oh, damn. So he went back into the room oh. to look at the crime scene. Eventually, as this is happening, Lyle had actually gone off and called the police and had reported that somebody had killed their parents, had had broken into the house and killed their parents. And literally in the 911 call, which I'm going to see if there's a way I can learn how to finally stitch this in the damn episode. But I at least want the 911 episode to be a part of this or I'm going to see if we can post it somehow part of the, this week's content. Because you can hear Eric screaming in the background. Like, that realization of what happened. Yeah. Dude, it is fucking heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And to think that... I'm going to bring that up and I'm going to bring that up in a little bit. But it is just heartbreaking to hear that. Yeah. Um... So, yeah. So, he reports that somebody had broken in and killed their parents. And the cops eventually came. Did, you know the investigation but there was no sign of forced entry there was nothing missing you know like it they uh, at least they could report there was nothing missing so at this point they had no suspects because they're like well we have literally nothing to go off of right now so investigation was open for quite some time and it wasn't until march 8th of 1990 so that was oh, the year wow. after? That was a year after. Year? Okay. Almost a year oh. later. It wasn't until almost a year later, you said that right, that they were finally brought in for questioning in terms of being actual suspects. Wow. Because obviously they were questioned prior to that, you know, to get the testimony, whatever, but they weren't seen as suspects. Do we know, I mean, you might be getting to this. Do we know what made him finally be like, okay, they might be some yes. suspects. Let's bring it. Okay. Yes. Yes. Just a second. So March 8th comes around and Lyle gets arrested. And Eric at this time was in Israel because he was doing a pro tour in tennis. Remember how how we, they were just okay. a star yeah. in tennis. So Eric was out there being a baller and literally literally and so during that time he was called and was told that lyle had been arrested and he obviously knew what the fuck for so he was like i gotta go home so at this point he gets on a flight they're being questioned you know they're they're being summoned pretty much it wasn't even like you know oh i'm just gonna hop on a flight to defend my brother no the cops are looking for you so he gets on a flight he lands in Miami and his family is pretty much waiting there for him. So he hops on with the, with an investigator. The investigator and his him and his cousin hop on a plane and they um, land in L.A. L.A., of course, there's cops everywhere. They're escorting him, you know, the whole nine. And at this point, that's when he was like accepting on the plane. Excuse me. He was accepting that he was no longer in control of what was going to happen. And he was he was going to jail. This was this was it. He knew he was going to jail. 
And mm-hmm. I felt bad because he recalls that these were actually, it was a fucked up moment for him even more because it was bittersweet. These were actually the last moments he ended up spending with his cousin Andy, who ended up dying in 2003, but he was already locked up. So, um, yeah, kind of bittersweet there. Um, but Kat, you asked, what flipped the coin? What the fuck happened? Well, yes. About six months later, we get a break from a woman named Judalon Smith. And who is Judalon Smith? Well, she's none other than the girlfriend. She's the girlfriend of Dr. Ozeal. Who's Dr. Ozeal? He was the psychologist that the brothers had been seeing throughout this time period of everything taking place. Oh. And well, 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 Dr. Ozeal was a pretty shady fucking man, if I must say so myself. Okay, because I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, Mm -hmm. go on. So, Eric mentions that, um, you know, Dr. Ozeal was the person that he went to in confidence to really open up about what he was feeling. And he basically confessed of his crimes to Dr. Ozeal. Um. Now, um, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, so he confesses his crime to Dr. Ozeal, right? And Dr. Ozeal also happened to disclose a little too much to Eric. Because wow. Eric knows now that Dr. Ozeal is having an affair with one of his clients. Wait. Oh, my God. It's got real messy real quick. Oh. Here's why this is tying in. Because. Fuck, I lost my place. Okay. So when they're having this discourse. And Eric admits his wrongdoings, and Dr. Ozeal's sitting there trying to, you know, give the spew and make him feel better, whatever. Eventually, he discloses this. Well, Dr. Ozeal starts to think of fret for his life. And he discloses to his quote unquote client slash girlfriend of the proceedings between Eric and himself conversations well guess who the client is my friends miss fucking judalon smith so judalon smith gets pissed that dr ozeal no longer wants to see her correct and what does she go to the cops and say that Dr. Ozeal has been taping his conversations with his clients, Eric and Lyle Menendez, and that supposedly, you know, they have confessed to these crimes, and that Dr. Ozeal says that the reason he's recording them is because he's fearing disbarment, or he's, um, yeah, he's getting, he's on the brooch of getting disbarred because of, of the situation, and that... Um, no, sorry. I fucked that up. 
So Judalon Smith reports to the cops that she's recorded that he has recorded the conversations between Eric and Lyle and himself. And he Judalon had asked him, well, why are you recording these conversations? Because he doesn't have consent of his clients. So he tells Judalon that he's afraid of his life. And Judalon tells him, well, why? And so he starts to disclose with Judalon. And she unprofessionalism for me. Yes, yes, yes. We get to that. We get to that. Oh, yeah. Very much. Very much against counseling ethics. Absolutely. And so apparently Judalon not only is there like, you know, letting him do these things to like record these conversations, but she's also then starting to stand outside of the door listening into these sessions. What the fuck? Yeah. Okay, so we got us a nosy Nancy over here. So, like I mentioned, so then when Dr. Ozil no longer wants her to be the side beast, piece, sorry, side piece, he, (laughs) (laughs) she, again, goes to the cops and discloses all this information, implicates herself, obviously, like an idiot, and also discloses all this personal information, which then she also discloses. That these tapes are in a safety lockbox that multiple lawyers have access to in the event something happens to Dr. Ozil because he is in fear of his life because of the Menendez brothers. Bro, she's telling that. Oh! So that is how the investigation on the Menendez brothers was then opened. And he was then telling her... Or, and, like, basically, his excuse for everything was is that in order for him to not face disbarment for the unethical things that he did, quote-unquote, because he feared for his life, he had to say because he feared for his life. So when you're a counselor, there's a loophole um, to that whole client... Uh, uh, Yes, thank you. I cannot fucking talk today. Client, therapist, confidentiality. And the loophole is, is that, yes, everything is confidential up until either you feel like this person is a threat to themselves or to somebody else or a threat to you. So you are then able to disclose this confidential information under the pretense that you are in fear for your life. However, this fool was not in fear for his life. Not only was he not in fear for his life, but then he was doing so many other unprofessional shit that how did anybody fucking believe him? You you are being outed by your client who you was having an affair with, who was also already aware of somebody else's that is your client situation and mental like health and was outside of your door listening to your sessions with two clients. Yep. Exactly. So the whole fearing for your life is shenanigans. No trabaja. Cause none of those other acts in question don't seem like you favor for your life, dog. Um, 
that was the backstory on Dr. Ozeal, and that's how they got implicated. Um, so we I'm talked about Lyle. This, <laughs> she just want to anyway. go on and tell somebody else's business after she done ran a motherfucking big bunch of shit she wasn't even supposed to be doing her motherfucking self. Exactly. So after she discloses information, that's why they got Lyle arrested, and then Eric followed suit a couple days later. And, um... Yeah, and so there was that situation, and so eventually, you know, they went to uh, trial, as you can imagine, and so we're at the trial, and honestly, the trial was like five months long. Uh, the first trial was five months long, um, so there is a lot of information that I obviously am not going to cover because it is just a lot. That would be another series upon itself. Um so if you're interested in getting, you know, like the 50 witnesses testimony and want to hear like more background on that, please, by all means, watch it. It's on court TV. Yeah, um, I'm excited to finally be able to like watch that. So I don't ruin nothing for myself. Yes, yes. And the good thing is, is that they have it in segments. So you can like see what part of the trial you're actually going to watch. Like you can just watch their his testimony, Lyle's testimony. Or you can just watch Eric's or you can just watch like certain videos. You don't have to watch the whole thing, you know. Mm -hmm. um obviously but yeah so <clears throat> the first trial um and yes the first trial as in they had more than one the first trial they were tried separately with one jury for each brother so they each had their own jury the way they set it up was when one was when one trial was going on for one brother the that jury would be in the jury stand but the other jury for the other brother would still be in the audience because that way both juries were constantly getting the same information to be able to then make their own um, convictions, right? So uh, there was a lot of fucked up things about this trial. And in my personal opinion, I think this trial is it really just did not work in their favor whatsoever. I, honestly, like, there really just was not much positive about this trial. Um, well, more so this one than the other one, but still really not much. And But to that I say this because this trial was actually the, the first trial to introduce Court TV, the segment of actually having filmed trials to the public. So with wow. that being said... You can just imagine, yeah, you can just imagine the rumble of all of the media that was going on and, and how much heat this was getting. And, <clears throat> you know, so they're very much, the tabloids were all over this case, all over everything, just, <coughs> excuse me, you can only imagine what the hell they were saying. But anyways, there, a lot, a lot of what was said about this trial mainly was their attitude, Eric and Lyle's attitude and how they were smiling and how they seemed to be like very pompous about them, like very self-centered and just kind of like I'm rich, ha 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 type of vibe. And because they also were dressed up with these fucking uh, preppy ass sweaters and they just, they kind of did look like assholes if you're not paying attention to the whole thing. If you do okay. watch just the clips, then yeah, they do look like that. But when you watch the whole thing, you can see there's more to it. 
Anywho, there was a lot of parts that they there was jokes being made in terms of, you know, like just trying to keep the energy light between the attorney and Lyle and Eric. And so there was a few times where they did exchange a couple laughs and some smiles or whatever. And those would be the mainly highlighted points of this trial. They would distort those two seconds. Exactly. They would distort those two seconds of some type of positive discourse in the sense and make that such a large situation that it wasn't even that because primarily a lot of what they were saying now here at the trial is that the boys did this for money that the boy did the, the boys did this you know to you know just be the spoiled brats that they were because of an inheritance and they were vilifying these two kids without any knowledge of what really happened in their lives meanwhile eric is saying you know i'm sitting here defending my life in front of these people but also in front of cameras in front of the whole world I'm nervous, I'm confused, I'm afraid, I have no idea what the fuck to expect. He was on major antidepressants, and he said that there was a point where he couldn't even complete one of his testi- uh, his testimonies because he had taken three Xanaxes, and even with that, his anxiety and shit was unbearable. He said he was not able to testify. Wow. So, yeah, you could just imagine the state that these boys are in, you know, during this such high-profile situation, and unfortunately the media is taking complete advantage of that not to mention here's the fucked up part as well this is how gross the system is so not only did they have also a judge who was super high profile for the wrong reasons he was high profile for letting people off and so much so he's actually the judge that let off the three officers that beat and shot rodney king he wow. let them off. And for those who may not know who Rodney King is, he was a very, very famous black author and activist. Um, yeah, so he let those officers off. So you can only imagine already what's happening in this courtroom. And the DA's office was also suffering and very much not able to stick a conviction to any of their cases. So this, they were using this case as like a redemption almost, which is fucked up. Right. So the prosecution, again, vilified these kids for being spoiled brats, supposedly, and thinking that this is, you know, for money and for an inheritance, which the it's just is stupid, completely just dumb. And they also even went off to say that, like, Eric tried to make up scenarios and say that this was a part of like a different type of hit or something like that. Which is not necessarily true because records really only state that he only ever said, or they only ever mentioned that it was somebody else on the 911 call. So the allegations were incorrect on that part. Um, another fucked up part about this trial was is that the prosecution was also very hard on Leslie Abrams, which was um, Eric's lawyer. She was just a very hot-headed lawyer and very spicy, and just people in the, in the courtroom didn't... They weren't necessarily the biggest fans of her. So they made her job even harder than it already was. Like, the trial made me so angry to watch because they would always, like, interrupt her and just, like, object to everything she was saying and really just making uh, these extra hurdles for her to jump through, which is annoying. Yeah. But this is what really fucking pissed me off about these prosecutors... Pam Bosnatch and Prosecutor Kuriyama. 
Um, so they were the type of people to really not believe in the whole child abuse part of this case. And at one point, the prosecutor, Pam, was actually asked on an interview outside of the court office. She's like, you know, were you compelled to any of this testimony, like any of this trial, you know, because there was intense stuff. And she's like, the trial was compelling to watch. And then she compared it. She was like, it's compare. It's it's as compelling to watch as Lawrence Olivier, which was some actor, I guess, or whatever. So basically, she's saying that she felt that this was some melodrama in the courtroom. Well, yeah, no, like people's lives in, the, in, in jeopardy. Exactly. So someone really tried to argue and say that the sexual abuse doesn't justify the murder. I'm I mean, like, I beg to differ real quick. Okay. Like, how does sexual, how does child sexual abuse, how does any abuse or any sex abuse not justify murdering your abuser? I'm sorry, what? It solely justifies. It is the justification, exactly. Without adding everything else that fucking is on this fucking shit show of. It justifies solely. Okay. It is the justification, period, with the T. So, then also, um, the prosecutor also tried to make an argument at the fact that these were their parents. And that regardless of the situation, their parents loved them and their parents didn't deserve to be killed like this. Uh, Back to differ yet again. Yeah. Yet again, because the children didn't deserve to be treated like this. Mm-hmm. They yep. could, oh, and I'm they so said sorry. They he was like the prosecutor was like they were the they were um these kids' parents. They cared about their kids, and they may not have been perfect, but they were human beings and deserved to live. No, they did okay. not deserve to live because they were ruining and robbing the youth of these two kids from the fucking beginning. Why would they deserve to live? Please explain to me. Okay, because I can make the same argument on the other side of the motherfucking coin. These children were innocent and they deserve to be keep their innocence for as long as they could have, but they couldn't because and they had to so, resort to the only way they knew. They're supposed supposedly love them so much, parents put them through every single possible abuse, like ever. It wasn't horrendous, like physical abuse in the sense that, I mean, honestly, I don't even remember. You can refresh my memory. They were getting like beaten and bones were broken and <coughs> shit like that, but they were still getting some kind of physical abuse. There were definitely absolutely no amount of sexual abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, like what else? Exactly. And like, you know, we don't have to sit here and, and say which abuse is worse than the other. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, dude, abuse is abuse. Like, and whoever is abusing you needs to be kaput. You know what I'm saying? It just needs to go. Just yeah, there's go. be. Yeah. Deuces. Bye. Two piece out. You know what I'm saying? Um. 
So, anywho, long story short, the jury for the first trial, either trial, cannot fully come to a uh, consensus. You know, they can't fully agree on a final verdict. And again, yes, there's a lot of information I left out, but we're here for the imp- the the important pieces, okay? The encapsulated. So, right, right. Um. So plus, we way over time at this point. So anyway, <coughs> sorry. Um. So they couldn't come to a support of the the charge of first degree murder. They couldn't support it, so they couldn't convict it. Obviously, not not enough people agreed to convict so they basically deadlocked because they couldn't agree either either jury either jury couldn't agree on their decision imagine that and they said the majority of the juries did not support the first degree murder charge but again gridlocked wasn't enough to go one way or the other so it resulted in a mistrial oh my god so and most people would be like, oh, second. mistrial. Let's, you know, that's another opportunity for a win. Mm, well, a year and a half later, because it took them a year and a fucking half later to retrial them. So they're sitting mm-hmm. in a county jail for a year and a half, pretty much, waiting for trial. And mm-hmm. the second trial is a fucking hodgepodge. I mean, hodgepodge. If you don't know what that means, pot of shit. So, (laughs) (laughs) so basically, they were now tried together by one jury. And that jury was the one that found them guilty and resulted in a sentence of life imprisonment without possibility of parole. Final wow. charge was two counts of first degree murder and consi- conspiracy of murder, and like I said, was sentenced to life in prison with no parole. That's crazy. How like not one single? Well, I don't know. Actually, there were deadlocks, so some people thought so. But still, like for them to not unanimously see that, like it was justified their actions were justified yep so the the reason the first prosecutor was saying that it can't be seen as self-defense as what they were trying to portray it as was because i know what you was going to say go ahead Mm -hmm. because they were not actively in fear for their life but they were they were. they were actively in fear for their lives since there was fucking five. How, what else do we need to talk about here? Okay. Very true. Not to mention the 50 plus witnesses that all were basically all of their story, any of them, all supported in one way or the other what they spoke about, whether it be about the mom, whether it be about the dad, whether it be about the parents in general or, the, you know, the union, their past, how they were. You know, the sisters discussed how there was abuse in their home with Jose as well, with the parents and all that stuff. And then also in Kitty's home, her growing up, her parents, uh, her dad was abusive as well. So both parents came for abusive homes. So it makes sense why they turned out to be abused, abusive abusers, excuse me, as well. But 
how do you have all of that context and all of that background story on both of these parents? They're two kids with all of this information. Those are, those are, yeah, those are witness like, no, you had enough. There was so much. 50 people came forward and said there was something there. They were wrong. That was fucked up. And to give you all an idea of who testified, not only was it Jose's siblings, Kitty's siblings, their nieces and nephews, their old co-workers, their, um, the boys' golf coaches. Wow. Excuse me, tennis coaches, not golf. Tennis coaches, they get golf. Yeah. So, like, everybody, they didn't have friends like that. But the people that did have some access to them, the only people that ever really had access to them, which were pretty much adults, they were all adults. All of them spoke about how their parents were shit, pretty much. And how, you know, they they can understand what happened. Yeah. Absolutely. It's definitely justified. It's definitely... It's fucking, fucking sucks that the brothers were sentenced for, were sentenced period, and are sitting in jail, prison, um, for trying to just escape a situation that was the worst nightmare of their lives. Absolutely, and and I definitely feel the system failed them. Like, look, I get it. Absolutely. When you want to look at things objectively, and oh well, they took a life. Okay, well, you know what? If that's really what it comes down to, give them 10 years and have them go about the way. You know what I'm saying? At this point, they've served double that. So it's like, you know, and not even just that, but it's just like, I feel like our our system has no space for victims. There's no, there's nothing there. Like, it's already hard enough for them to get justice. But even if they, even if they do get justice, they still have to pay a price somewhere or the other. You know what I mean? So justice is never really given to them. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to quickly, because we're wrapping up, because um, I want to share a message from one of our, um, well, actually, she's like someone who was new to, to our uh, Instagram page, and um, she shared her opinion on the case. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Um, what she thought about it, and because she said that the case was personal to her, so I wanted to, to see, you know, in what aspect um so this is her um instagram handle is lamar condes condes her name is leticia condes um so she said i haven't um i was drawn to this case in particular for many reasons first that's because i'm very interested in crimes that are and families since your family should be your safe space i also really love reading about sibling relationships like lyle and eric menendez have the most incredible brotherly bond i've ever seen despite all the horrible hardships they endure their relationship is inspiring to me after a few months of studying the case i was completely blown away how ignorant the majority of people were about it if you mention the menendez brothers most people will say that they're brothers who shot their parents for the inheritance that they couldn't be further from the truth the amount of evidence of abuse they rep they presented was 
of abuse they presented that was ignored is absolutely infuriating. These men deserve much better and I will always fight for them. She's really passionate about this case. Um, she also goes on to say uh, the case is infuriating because most information you will find on it is either taken out of context or are plain lies. Uh, it takes much longer to form an accurate perspective on this case that most other on this case than most others because of how much the media disordered it. And honestly, I couldn't agree with her even more. Yeah. Because a lot of it was <coughs> taken out of context, like you were saying, the little pieces of the courthouse. And I agree. I agree with her. I do too. I, I definitely watching Eric tell all, which is on Prime Video, highly recommend. Um, watching that, watching the trial, um, you know, and really just learning, hearing other podcasts and hearing, you know, reading books and stuff on it. It's just, it really just does not sit right with me how, you know, these kids are just failed and failed and failed upon failed. And everything viable for their defense was ignored, you know, not to mention, I forgot to mention this actually, but in the second trial, so much of um of one of the uh therapists that eric was seeing in prison you know during during a specific time dr vickery he a lot of his notes were used in the first trial to create his defense eric's defense but they were dismissed in the second trial oh wow so the second trial actively just was so like was just almost none of the abuse was actually portrayed in the second trial almost none of it very little of it which is wild because they literally killed them because they were protecting themselves from that abuse exactly but to them hmm. what was important was what led up to that and in court apparently you can only use a week's time frame of said crime around that to create like that active fear of your life that's why because nothing actively was happening to them within that time period there was no active fear of their life so that's why it can't be seen as form of okay. self-defense which is bullshit it's okay, bullshit Fuck that. exactly exactly okay and that is all the bad people get away or all the good ones or fail the good ones through fucking loopholes in the fucking system I do like, want to give a quick update on them, though. I do want to give a quick update. There is a website you can actually follow. Um, I will link it in the descriptions of everything. There is an author who wrote a book on this case personally. I actually have, wasn't able to finish the book in time, which I'm a little, really upset about, but it is awesome. Um, and he has uh, pictures that Lyle and Eric have sent them from jail and all that stuff, and from prison, excuse me. And he keeps up with them. They're pen pals. He has kept up with them through COVID, um, you know, and all that stuff to make sure they're okay. So as of right now, they uh, have been in health. Um, I believe Lyle was sick for a little bit, but it was not known to be COVID. Um, Lyle did get married at some point to one of his pen pals, um, but then got divorced. And Eric did get married to Tammy, um, which was actually a pen pal that started pretty much from the beginning of his prison sentence. Um, and he did get married to her. They are still actively married. And he nice. runs he runs a sober group 
um, in the prison and he helps um, those who, you know, have had tough pasts and stuff reform. And Lyle does a lot of the same things in his prison as well. Um, are they in they the same prison? They weren't for a while, but they are now. They are held at different si uh, different parts of it, but they are in the same prison. Yeah, now they are. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Damn, that's yeah. big. Uh, that's big. Uh, prison break vibes with the brothers. I know. Right. <laughs> big right. prison break. They, also, another quick update. They did try to. Um, what's that word called? Uh, appeal? Appeal? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, they did try to appeal the case, um, but unfortunately there wasn't anything that the judge at the time could do. So they had one more chance to appeal, but I have not seen any updates on that because of COVID. I'm assuming they weren't able to. Um, so yeah. there might be hope. I don't know. There's been enough hustle and bustle. There's been enough rumble from the public, and a lot of people are really advocating for them. So, um, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, at some point, we will be able to be witnesses of them seeing some freedom before they pass. I'd really like that for them. Hopefully. Like, yeah, even yeah. if they get a week out and, like, <laughs> you know, like, for, you know, depending on how old they are when they, they, they do get to, to come out. Yeah, they're in their <laughs> 50s free. now. Okay, okay. I was thinking older, but okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah they are in little... their 50s now. Hopefully they stay in good health. So if this does happen, they are like good enough to enjoy some of their life without abuse and trying to rebuild from fucking being in prison all their lives. PTSD to, and to the end. It's of the crazy day. what they look like now. You know, you just you just see the difference in what they probably would have looked like if they weren't spending their life in prison. But um, at least they look healthy. So that was good. I'm glad we're able to wrap that up. Thanks, thanks. Thank you. I know it's a little long, but <coughs> no, <it was> <coughs> how to wrap it up thing. nicely. Yeah, all of everyone Sorry who's for listening, the do give us your opinion on this case. What do you think? Whether you agree with us or don't, we definitely we have our own opinion. We welcome and respect yours. We don't have to agree, but share with us what you think um about this case and the brothers and what happened to them and what may happen to them everything yep 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 thank you guys for listening and we will catch you next time bye bye, bye. i was early i would be fucking up <laughs> thank you for listening to las chicas and crime we hope you join us next time for another episode full of crime y chisme Give us a follow on all of our socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, which we will list on the description of this episode. Please also rate our show and leave us a review as that helps bring awareness to our podcast. We appreciate it. Gracias.